Hey, Anchor family, welcome to our podcast. We wanted to thank you for listening today. We pray this message encourages you, that it inspires you, pray it builds your faith and brings you hope. Enjoy the message. I started doing something that I haven't done in probably three years. Actually, four years. That is, I've started eating breakfast. I know there are some of you in here who you eat six meals a day, and you're, Gary, I bet you're one of them. You eat oatmeal at five in the morning, you go work out, and then you have a protein bar at nine in the morning. That's not me. I just, I don't do that. I, I always found it funny to wake up and immediately want to eat. It was strange. It's something I just stopped doing, actually, in 2020. And in 2020... I stopped doing that because I started to do this thing called intermittent fasting. Most of you might have heard what intermittent fasting is. If you've uh, gone into 2024 trying to get healthy, you've heard intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is when you don't eat for like 18 hours. And what you're doing is you're teaching your body to take everything that you eat and to burn it quickly because you need that energy to survive for the next 18 hours. Now listen, in 2020, that was my jam. That worked for me. Somehow, not eating all day, but eating a good healthy meal around 7, 8 o'clock at night, somehow helped me lose 40 pounds. I lost 40 pounds in four months. For anybody who wants to do that, I'm going to tell you intermittent fasting is a great way to do it. But I've realized I have aged Since 2020, I'm in my 40s now, low 40s, 41. Let's get it right. And what I've realized is my body can't handle intermittent fasting. Instead of my body believing that the food that I am eating is necessary to sustain myself and thus burning it quickly, my body says, this man is dying. Save all of that food. Put it in places where we can access it later. And I've realized it's not helping. I have got to do what I did back in my 20s and 30s, which is I got to kickstart my metabolism, and I got to do it through eating multiple meals a day, more than two, more than three, five or six. And so I started started to have a breakfast every morning with a chicken breast and a, uh, you'd be proud of me, with a egg white. On a, on a little muffin, and I, I feel great. It's 40 grams of protein in the morning, 200 calories, and I found myself doing something kind of funny. I started to count my calories all day long because I want to make sure that I'm doing this right. How much protein am I eating so I can kickstart my metabolism? Yesterday was Friday, and it's been a week. Now, I know this is crazy to expect turnaround results in a week, but most of you, that's how you live anyway. You want to see things happen very quickly. I have stopped having tacos. I should feel really good about myself a week later. It's not working. I'm going back to eating tacos. This is the way that we do things, right? Friday, I started, I checked myself, my numbers, and I'm doing great, and I realize there is a, there's a great benefit to doing things this way. It's a great benefit to me. And so all week, I realized my obedience to what I was doing was benefiting me. 
Now, most of you, you've started this year and you've said, I've got goals I want to accomplish. I got things I want to see get done in my life. And I want to tell you that there is a benefit to your obedience. That for you to get the results that you are looking for in your life, if God wills that to happen, it will come through your obedience because there's a benefit to it in God's eyes. I've realized that as I was going throughout the week when I would feel the urge to eat something in the middle of the night. No, no, no. Don't do it. I've got to stay obedient because I'm looking for the benefit. If you want a benefit from the Lord, what obedience do you have to perform? I know it sounds funny to say it this way because we preach God's grace and we preach that God will reward you because of his grace. But ultimately, that reward that we're talking about is salvation. Salvation is by faith alone, by grace. Everything else that we receive, the Bible says, is a reward based on what we do. So I want to encourage you today and give you a scripture that I believe will help you as we end January and you're already thinking about Valentine's Day and all the food you're going to eat and how you're just going to start again next year because you've already gone through this month and you haven't hit your goals. I want to encourage you today not to give up and to be obedient because there's a benefit to it. And I believe that if you are still interested in seeing God do something incredible in your life, that there are some things that God wants you to do so that he can reward you. We're in Leviticus, and let me tell you something about Leviticus. Leviticus seems to be the last book any Christian reads. No Christian begins their 2024 Bible reading plan and starts in Leviticus. As a matter of fact, Leviticus is, the, is known to be the Bermuda Triangle of of books in the Bible because that is the place where Christians get lost. If you've ever set up your, 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 your little Bible app to give you, uh, read the Bible in a year. You read a psalm today, read a, a chapter in Matthew, maybe something in Romans, and then when you read Leviticus, you just like, wow, I don't want to do this anymore. I need to get away from this. This is kind of depressing. So why is Ralph picking this for a new year, new me kind of scripture? Because Leviticus is the kind of book that is written there so that you could get results. Moses is writing this book. It's the third book of the Torah. And, and while Moses is writing this book, he is writing this to people who have left captivity. They are no longer under Pharaoh's, under Pharaoh's slavery and his chains, and they are now in the land of Canaan, and Moses has now got to teach them how to live. Most of you understand this because whenever you have a question, you go to Google. Most of you, if you have a question of how things should work, you go to YouTube. I know I YouTube everything. How to fix XYZ, it's in YouTube somewhere. How do I cook this? It's in YouTube somewhere. Wouldn't it be helpful to have a place you can go so that you could find answers to the questions that you have? I submit to you that the Bible is that place. And Leviticus actually is a good place for us to see, although strange as a book, where God would 
would God would push us into a, a time of obedience so that we could get the results that we want. Because isn't that what we want in 2024? I'm tired of not having the results that I want. I'm tired of always hoping and wishing and planning, but I don't get the results that I'm looking for. This is where we go, the Bible, to find a place to get our results from. Moses is writing them, and he's saying, you've got to learn how to live. We're in the land now, and now you've got to learn how to live. And I would tell you right now that you and I, all of us, we need to learn how to live. Most of us don't know what it's like to live the Christian life. Most of us don't know what it's like to live the way God would like us to live. And like I started this series off in Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul says, put on the new self and lay aside the old self. We need to have some definitions to the things that we need to lay aside so that we can know what to lay aside. Moses is writing them after they've been in slavery for 400 years, and he's writing this down so that they would never forget it. And, and, and the reason why he's doing this, I believe, is because they don't know what it's like to live free. They don't know what it's like to live free. They've been enslaved for 400 years. And when you've been bound for so long, being bound feels normal. I'm preaching to somebody in here where the chains of your eating disorder feels normal. Where the chains of, of your alcoholism feels normal. Where the chains of your addiction it feels normal. Watching what you watch when no one is around feels normal. Doing what you do when no one is looking, it feels normal. I think I told you a couple weeks ago that I had grown a habit where if I wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning, where I go is I go to the fridge, I get something to drink, and I get something to snack on. That had become normal. So much so, as I have been trying to fight that urge, it felt like I was living in an abnormal state. I would wake up, immediately get out of wherever I was at, looking for a place to go get water or get something to eat. And when I would stop myself, it would feel weird. Because being bound sometimes feel, feels very normal. And these people, they had lived in slavery for such a long time. It, it's funny to say it this way, but that's why there are people who live in relationships that have abuse. Because the abuse feels normal. I've been abused since I was a child. This is just what I expect. There's a reason why some of us stay in depression for so long, because it's just normal. My parents went through depression it's just a part of who I am. Anxiety is just something that, that we have in my family, we say. We have said this since I was young. This is normal to be anxious. And yet the Bible says be anxious for nothing. God wants us to experience what it's like to live free. Because the Bible says he who the Son sets free is free indeed. All of us have been set free when we've learned about Jesus and believed in him. But are you living like you're free? So he's teaching them. He's transitioning them from slaves to sons and daughters. From slaves to people who have 
now the ability to experience life. And so he has some things for them. Are you ready? Some simple things. We got 10 verses. We're going to do it in 25 minutes. You believe me? It's okay. I don't care if you don't believe me. I'm going to do it. Chapter 26, 1 through 11. It's a long chapter, but we're only going 11 verses. Moses says, you shall not make for yourself idols, nor shall you set up for yourselves an image or a sacred pillar, nor shall you place a figure stone in your land and bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. He says, listen, we're going to start taking some things away, some practices that you have because of Egypt. Now, these practices that you see here that he is mentioning are the practices of the Egyptians. He's saying, I know you were living in this place for 400 years. You got comfortable. It became normal to live this way. But I'm telling you, just because it feels normal doesn't mean it's something that God wants you to do. So just because that's what your mama did and your grandmama did and your uncles have always done, it doesn't mean that that's something that you need to do. Now, that's a word for somebody here today. And you've said to yourself, this is just how I've been raised. This is just what I've been around. Alcoholism is my family. Cancer is in my family. Depression is just what we do. He is saying here, all of the things that you experienced in Egypt, leave it behind. And you can't enter into 2024 reaching for the things that God wants you to experience if you are dragging with you 2023, 2022, 2021, 2020, all the way to 1982. I just told you my birthday. How many of you are dragging into this year the thing that God is trying to get you to let go of? Don't do this, he said. You shall not make for yourself an idol, nor will you set up for yourself an image or a sacred pillar, nor shall you place a figured stone in your land and bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. Hey, God wants you to make him God this year, not your money, not your satisfaction, not your position, not your job title, not your savings account, not any of that. He says, I am the Lord your God. Maybe our ability to see God work in our life starts on whether or not he's Lord or not. Maybe our ability to see God work powerfully in our lives and help us get to the place where we see him do things for us begins at whether or not we have claimed him as Lord and God. Because God is one thing, Lord is another. God means I believe in who you are. Lord means you are the one who directs me. A lot of us in here, we believe that he's God, but we don't believe that he has the right steps for us to take. So we haven't allowed him to dictate that. Do you know that when I get in my car, I pick whether or not I want to use Apple Maps, Google Maps. What's the other one? Waze. Waze is evil. I don't ever touch Waze. Waze gets me lost. I, I, I go by Apple Maps. I will go by Apple Maps, and then when I go to Apple Maps, it gives me three or four different options, and I get to pick which one I want. Do I want this one? Because it's fastest. Do you want this one? Because it's the least amount of miles, but it might be a little bit longer. Or do you want this one? And then it has that dreaded little dollar sign, meaning this is going to cost you some money, but it's faster. Can I tell you something? There are some things that God wants you to have 
experience in your life. The Bible says abundant life is what God gives us. There is life and life abundantly. Eternal life and abundant life, which is life that you can actually measure. That's why they say it's abundant. We can't measure eternity, but we can measure abundance. He says, I want to give you abundant life. But just like that road that has a little dollar sign, it's going to cost you something. Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's going to cost you something. So he's saying to them, don't, don't do this anymore. I am your Lord and your God. Is this okay? Am I being all right? I mean, I'm just preaching. Okay. You shall keep my Sabbath and reference my sanctuary. I am. He said, go to church. Go to church. Reverence my Sabbath and what? My sanctuary. I want to encourage you right now. Stop missing church. Get into a rhythm of having church in your life. Because we're going to see here that God ties all of this into what we want as results in our lives. He says, go to church. Keep my Sabbaths. Keep, that was an Exodus law. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What if I told you that 52 times, if you did something for 52 times, and 52, 52 times only, that you would see great results? If you lift this weight 52 times, you'll see great results. Would you do it? You would. But what if I told you 52 church Sundays a year, and you'll see results? Would you do it? No. Don't lie to me. We're in church. Can't lie in church. We'll lift a weight 52 times a day. We'll walk around the block 52 times if it means I'll get abs. We won't go to church 52 times a year if it means you'll finally get over the things that's been holding you down. He says, go to church. He says, keep my Sabbath in reverence, my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If, ah, I need you to see this word. If. I want you just to remember that word. And then I want you to tuck it away for later. Is that okay? Okay. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out. He says, if you walk in my statutes, if you do what I tell you to do. The Bible says, blessed is the man who hears the command and then does them. Keep my commandments and so carry them out then. So verse 3, if, verse 4, then. Cause, that's called cause and effect. If you do this, then. God is saying, this is being you. We're going to go back and forth here. I'm, I'm giving you salvation, your inheritance of the land. You are walking into Canaan. But now what I do in the land for you is up to you. I've given you the land. Hey, God has given us eternity. Salvation is ours. But what we get to experience here on earth completely up to us. That makes sense? If you do this, then I shall, listen, I want to stay here. Can I stay in this verse? I want to stay in this verse. Verse three. If you do this, then I shall give you rains in their season so that the land will yield its produce and the trees of the field will bear fruit. I love the words he's using here. Because if you just read it, you'll miss it. He says, 
If you do this, I shall give you rain in its season so that it will yield and produce the trees of the field will bear fruit. He says, I have rain and it's available, but I'm holding it back. The the thing that you need from God is available, but he might be holding it back because of your lack of obedience. He says, if you do this, then I shall give rain in its season. I like that he says in its season because what he's saying is there is a specific time that you need rain. You may want rain tomorrow, but it's not the season for rain tomorrow. That's the struggle for us as believers. There are some things that maybe we want and God's like, it's not the season for it. There are some things that God may want you to have, and God is saying, but it's not the season. I want you to have it. I have it in supply. It's available, but it's not the season. So many of us, we want things outside of God's timing. The Bible says there is a season for everything. Have you read that scripture? There is a season for joy. There is a season for mourning. There is a season for living. There is a season for dying. He says there is a time where rain is necessary, and if you do what I say, I won't hold it back. I'll give it to you. Here's what I learned when I read this scripture. God's rain is always on time, but it's on me. God's rain is always on time, but it's on me. He says, I got this rain and it's available, but are you going to do what I ask? In its season, meaning there is a specific time for it. You know what I realized this week? I don't like continual rain. It's been raining, hasn't it? I, I used to really, like, enjoy, romanticize rain and coffee, cafecito with a little pan dulce. You see, I'm struggling with where I'm eating this year. Rain, music. Let it rain two days in a row, though, and you got to run to your car. Let it rain three days in a row, though, and now your dogs don't want to go outside and use the bathroom because it's soaked. And what are they doing in your house? Oh, they're all in your house, messing things up. Your dog alone will make you wish that the rain stopped. I had to walk my dogs this, this week because they wouldn't go in my backyard because it was flooded. I had to walk them in the rain. This is, I hated that. I don't know, y'all ain't feeling me. I hated that. Here's, here's what he's saying. You have a need, it's rain. You think you need it all the time, but you don't need it all the time. Do you see what he's saying here? The thing that you think you need, you don't need it as much as you think you do. He says, this rain will only come in its season. Because who wants flooding? Who wants, I don't want flooding. I want the rain to do its job. What's the job of the rain? To help the seeds grow, right? That's what I want. I want the seeds that are planted to grow, and that can only happen if there's rain. So I want enough rain to make the seeds grow. I don't want more rain to slow my drive into work. 
I don't want more rain where I can't even walk in my grass without ruining my shoes. I don't want more rain where my dog is constantly barking and afraid because of the thunder. I don't want that. He's saying there's rain that's available. It's for a specific season, and I know you want it to come and to do over and over again what you think it'll do, but it's, it's not good. It's not good for you because it'll cause flooding. Here's what he's saying. Well, actually, I'll say something here. There's a rule in the Bible where it, it talks about what's, whatever is missing from the text needs to be implied. Whatever is missing from the text should also be implied, meaning he's saying, I will give you rains in the season so that the land will yield its produce and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. What's the implication here? The implication is that you and me are doing something. What's the implication? That you and me are planting, sowing seed. He doesn't say it. He just expects it. You see it? I won't do it unless someone tells me God expects it. He ain't going to tell you. He says, I will give you the rain, and I hope you took your time to plant seed. Because the rain will come whether you plant the seed or not. And the saddest day is the day when the rain comes and you forgot to plant seeds. He says, without saying it, you and me got work to do. You have to plant first for you to be able to see the benefit of the rain. It talks about rain, but it doesn't talk about planting because it's assuming that you're planting. I'm assuming in your life you're sowing seed. What does that mean, Ralph? We'll get to that. I'm assuming in your life you're taking the time to sow, which means invest. Sowing a seed means I have this seed that I've heard. If I plant it, something will come from it. You don't just walk and find these seeds anywhere. You have to buy them. So you would invest in the seed, and then you would take that investment, put it in the ground, and hope for rain. You would sit there and watch your investment then be managed by God's ability. So what he is telling us is you want to see growth in your relationship are you investing in it? You want to see growth in your children. Are you sowing? Are you investing in them? You want to see growth and you don't want to be depressed anymore. Are you doing the things that get you depressed? He's saying to us, we've got to plant because rain only blesses what we work. The thing about us is we're more worried about the rain, what God will do, then what we have to do. Oh, if God, if God is good this year, God, I think God will do it. Oh, I, I, I'm just hoping the Lord this year. You ever heard that, uh, that meme? I, I, I'm calling on God, hoping that he doesn't think that I'm on the strongest warrior list anymore because I can't take all of this. Like if it's completely up to God. No, as we live in this life, it's up to us. And the results you have in your life are directly tied to the work that you put in. He's saying, don't worry about the rain. The rain's going to come. Worry about planting. Worry about planting. Because if God sends the rain, 
and you didn't plant, you're going to face disappointment. So it's our job to plant, and it's God's job to send the rain. Because you can't make it rain no matter how much you say you can. I don't care what you said when you were in the club that one day. You ain't making it rain. Who got that? I didn't get that. Okay. No ghetto people in here. What happened to all my ghetto people? Make it rain. Okay. Um, so here's what I'll tell you. And I want, I want some classroom participation. Do you want to see a harvest in 2024? All right. What are you planting in 2024? Ooh. Because you can't harvest in 2024 what you haven't planted in 2024. Because you've got to understand these seasons of planting are all in the same year. Actually, a lot of seasons are longer than that, and you can't reap in 2024 what you didn't sow in 2023. He is pointing us to results that are based on our ability to be obedient. So here's, here's what I want to ask you. Are you, ready for, are you ready for God to send rain? Did you even plant anything? We want God's blessing. I want God to do this. We want to see God do this. What have you done? So that God would bring the rain so that you would see growth and fruitfulness. That's the truth for churches too. If we want to see God do something significant through us, fruit exploding, from this church, what are we doing in 2024? What are we investing in? What are we planting? What are we sacrificing, putting it in the ground and trusting God with it? So are you even ready for the rain? And have you sown seed? Because if you want blessing, then you've got to learn to sow seed. And seed will always cost you. He says, I'm going to send the seed, this rain, for its season so that the land will yield its produce and the trees of the field will bear fruit. Here's the thing I want to tell you about this whole process. It takes time. Don't rush it in 2024. Don't expect it to be fixed in one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, one month. You can't go to the gym for one week and then... All of a sudden, you're exactly how you want to look like. You've got to give it consistency and time. And it's the same thing in your life and in your marriage and with your friends and with your finances and with your walk with Jesus and the things that you do for your family. Like, all of it takes time. Hey, I, I forgave him this one time, and he treated me like crap the next week. I'm leaving him alone. No, you keep being good. You keep forgiving. You keep trying. Y'all are offended because I said the word crap. I could say a whole lot worse in here, but I'm not going to say it. But it's Saturday night, and we're just living it up right now. Make it rain. I, I mean, I just said make it rain. That's worse. We'll edit it out. Don't worry about it. We'll edit it out. New people will never know the kind of pastor you have. That's their pastor. He said make it rain. Verse 5. Indeed, your threshing, say these next two words with me. I'm going to say it again. Y'all are bad classroom participation. Indeed, your threshing, 
That's good, right? I love that. Indeed, you're threshing for you into the great gathering, and great gathering will last. Isn't that what we want? Lasting change? Blessings that last? Or do you just want temporal change? Joy that's only there. Here, You know, the Bible says joy renews every morning. That means it will last. He says, indeed, your threshing will last for you until grape gathering. I want to stop there for a second because this is interesting. Are you all okay? Is this all right? Hope it's good for you. He says, indeed, your threshing will last for you until grape gathering. I want you to not miss this. Threshing has nothing to do with fruit. We just read in verse 4 that there was fruit that was available. You read that. Planting that comes from fruit. Verse 5 says we're not just talking about fruit. We're talking about things that have to be threshed too. Threshing implies wheat. You would thresh wheat and you would shake it and, and shake it from its husk. He's saying it's more complicated than what you thought it was. We have threshing and grape gathering. Indeed, your threshing will last for you until grape gathering. He's saying, I, I, want, I want to give you a full cycle of provision. Don't miss it. I will give you threshing of wheat and bread and everything you need. And it's going to last until you gather your fruit. And then that fruit will go all the way until you have to what? Until the time will last until sowing time, until you got to do it all over again. I have a full cycle of blessing I have for you. Do you see it? You don't. You'd be shouting me down. We serve a God who isn't trying to bless you once or twice or provide for you here and there. He wants to give you a full cycle of provision. Full cycle of provision. But his full cycle is more complicated than what you thought. He says it, it's not just planting seeds for fruit trees. You're also planting seeds for wheat. He's saying you got to plant both. You got to invest in multiple things. Don't just focus on one thing in 2024. I'm going to lose 45 pounds, and I'm going to neglect my family, and I'm going to neglect my friends, and I'm going to forget about my walk with Jesus. I'm, I'm going to be so focused on, on, on becoming someone who runs a marathon. That's great. I'm glad you want to run a 15K or whatever it is. I'll never do it. The Bible says only an unrighteous man runneth, but that's, not, that's just not what. I'm not going to do that. Here's what I will say to you. You have to invest in more than one thing this year. Do you hear what this is saying? You should have not just invested in, I got all of my bass, all of my eggs in this basket of Bitcoin. Everything is in here. We can't do that biblically, and we're not talking Bitcoin. I'm talking about your spiritual life and the people that you're connected with, the things that you want to see grow in your life. You need to invest in all of it, not just one or two. So that you can experience the fullness of God's blessing when it comes in season. Don't just work on your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend in February because it's Valentine's. It's a full cycle, my guy. 
all year long. This scripture is telling us that there will be threshing that will last. It's just, hey, I like it because he said there's a season. Put up verse 4. Verse 4 says, let me talk to you about a season of rain. Do you see that verse 4? There was a season. Now verse 5. Then he says, aside from the season, there's a cycle. There's a season and there's a cycle. The threshing will last until the grape gathering and the grape gathering until, until it will last until sowing time. Do you? Threshing will last until the grape gathering. And grape gathering will last until sowing time. That sounds like a lot of work. You have to plant. You have to sacrifice. You have to dig up the hole. You got to put the seed in it. You got to put the, the dirt back on it. You got to trust that the Lord is bringing the water for it. And then you have to wait. And then you got to go plant other things. And then when it starts to grow, it's not just planting. It's also gathering and reaping and threshing. He says what, the threshing, the work of gathering all of this will last. It's a long time of threshing. The work of gathering up what God wants for you is going to be a lot of work, and it's going to lead to more work, because now here comes the grapes, and now all the grape gathering, and the grape gathering is going to last. Some of you want the blessing until you have to do the work, the maintenance of it, and it will last until sowing time. What is that? It's a cycle. Sowing time is planting. It's a cycle. There are seasons. And there are cycles. Seasons are things that God controls. Cycles are what you control. Do you hear that? You will thus eat your food to the full. And I love that verse. Eat until you're full. He's saying, simple word, satisfaction. And maybe that's something that to you is foreign when it comes to you thinking about God. There's no way I can find satisfaction. He says, I will provide for you in such a way where you will find satisfaction. I want to be satisfied. I want to live my life in fulfillment and satisfaction. Don't you? Don't you want to live your life saying, if I died today, I'd be satisfied. He's saying, if you do these things, you will eat your food until the full, and here it is, and live securely in your land. So he says there's satisfaction, and then you'll be secure, which means safety. Hold on. Don't miss it. He says you have the ability right now to, to secure your safety. Don't you want to feel safe? Don't you want to go through this life believing that you're safe? He says, if you do these things that I've commanded you, you will live safely in your land, in your land, in your home, in your family, your land. Notice he didn't say my land. It's his land. He gave it to him. But he's saying specifically to them, your homestead, your land, you will find safety in there and security in your land if you do this. And I shall also grant peace 
in the land. So that, I love this, I love it, so that you may lie down with no one making you tremble. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something so incredibly great for you, so overwhelming, that you're going to actually be able to sleep without worrying. You're going to actually be able to lay down and know, I don't have anything to worry about. I don't have to stress. I don't have to tremble. And if you're like me, this is contrary to the way that you live. Because every night I worry. Every night I stay up wondering, how am I going to make it? What are we going to do? How do? What do I have to make happen? Every night I think this. And he says, if you would just trust me and do the things that I've asked of you, you will learn to live a life where you will lie down and no one will make you tremble. He's not saying that there won't be opposition. He's not saying there won't be opposition. He's saying they just won't make you tremble. You're not hearing me. What he is not promising you is a life devoid of conflict. He's saying you're going to have a life that's going to be filled with courage. You're going to have conflict, but you're going to have courage. So much courage It don't matter what they say to you. It doesn't matter what they've done to me. It doesn't matter what they're threatening me with at work. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they posted about me on Instagram and Facebook. It doesn't matter what they say in the back rooms in the dark. I don't have to tremble because my God is for me. And if my God is for me, the things that I need will be provided. And if my God is for me, all of my worries will be taken care of. You will lie down and you won't tremble. I shall also eliminate harmful beasts from the land. He's saying, I'm, I'm going to protect you. The thing that's bigger than you, the lion, the bear, the thing that could overtake you, I'm going to push it away. I love that we have a God who says, I know that that thing is stronger than you. I know that that thing is too much for you. I'm going to push it away for you. I'm going to send it away because I know what it's going to do to you. The, thank God that we serve a Savior and a Lord who says, I know that's too much. I'm pushing it away. I'm pushing it away. You don't need it. It gives me confidence that the things that I do face, God says, you can handle it. Do you get it? Do you see that? If he's going to push away what's harmful, it means that what's in your face is something that you can handle. Just because you might think it's harmful doesn't mean you can't handle it. He says, I'm pushing it away. So the thing that you face, you can actually handle it. You're able. You're strong enough. You're capable. It may push you a little bit. It, 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 may, it may make you struggle, but guess what? I'm your God. I'm your God. He says, I'm going to eliminate the harmful beasts from the land, and no sword will pass through your land. No sword will pass through your land. What he means by no sword will pass through He doesn't say there won't be somebody that's going to come and be a threat. He's saying they won't overtake your land. Oh, there are going to be threats. Newsflash, 2024, there will be threats. There will be things that make you stress out. But he says, this is what I will do for you. I shall eliminate the harmful beasts and no sword will pass through your land. You have a direct effect to the quality of life in your land. Do you see it? 
Because of you, your land won't face sword. Because of you, the harmful beast will be pushed away. You directly affect the life that you live. Verse 7, this okay? But you will chase your enemies, and they will fall before you by the sword. Verse 6 said, no sword will pass through your land. Verse 7 says, they will fall before you by the sword, meaning even the threat that comes in won't be able to stop you. Five of you will chase a hundred. Let's get the piano up here. Because I feel like this is the preachy part of the sermon. I feel like this is the most encouraging thing. It says, five of you will chase a hundred. And a hundred of you will chase 10,000. You know what he's saying here? You're going to be able to do more with less. Do you see it? You might feel outnumbered, the odds might be against you, but you're still going to prevail. He says, five will chase a hundred, and a hundred will chase 10,000. Even when it looks overwhelming, you won't be overcome. He says, because of your obedience to my word, because you do what I'm asking of you, when you do this, you're going to be able to do more with less, even if it feels like you can't do it, or you're not equipped enough, or you don't have what you need, or you're not able. He says you will be able to do more with less. I want to do that in 2024. I want to be able to experience God doing more with the very little that I have. With the very little that's left of me, do you have little strength left? Parents, do you have little patience left? Do you have, do you have little courage? Or are you like Paul with little faith? Oh, you of little faith. He says, I can do something with that. I don't have a lot. It's okay. There's a boy with five loaves and three fish. I fed 20,000. Oh, I can do a lot with a little faith. Oh, I can do a lot with a little. Have you limped into 2024? Are you limping currently? I'm trying. I've got little strength. He says, with me, you can do more even if you don't have enough. Five of you would chase a hundred, and a hundred of you would chase 10,000. Oh, what I would give to see a devoted church to what God has called us to do so that we can see the hundreds of thousands of people that we would impact. Numbers don't matter. The God that we serve do. You will chase 10,000 and your enemies will fall before you by the sword. So I will turn toward you and make you faithful, fruitful. I'll make you fruitful and I will multiply you and I will confirm my covenant with you. I will turn toward you and make you fruitful. God's hand is involved in the fruitfulness that you desire. I will make it happen. 
I will make you fruitful, and then I will multiply you. My daughter came to me a couple days ago with math homework. What is a ratio, Dad? Oh, my gosh. I don't, I don't know. I, I really don't have answers. Dad, you should know that I don't know this. Leave me alone. I feel attacked at the moment. I remember I said, listen, I could do addition and subtraction. I can't do multiplication. I just can't do it. Don't ask me to multiply. Isn't it funny that in this scripture, God uses a term that denotes extreme multiplication. He says, I will make you fruitful and not add to you. I will multiply you. Meaning the things that you want, I can do more of. You just want to add these couple things, I can multiply it. It's the God that we serve. He's not an addition God. He's a multiplying God. That's a word for somebody here today. We don't serve a God who just makes additions. He multiplies. And that's what the church should be doing multiplying, growing, getting to a place where you are empowered to multiply and tell others about Jesus and have them tell about others about Jesus. That's actually what the Bible has told us to do, to be fruitful and multiply. It doesn't just mean have children. It means spread the gospel to every street and every corner. Not only is God going to multiply you, not only can God multiply us, but we should be multiplying I will multiply you, and I will confirm my promise with you. He's saying, I keep my promises. I'm going to keep my promise, my covenant with you. We serve a good and faithful God who delivers on his promises. He says in verse 10, you will eat the old supply and have to clear out the old because of the new. I have a fridge that I cleaned out recently. When I looked at it, it looked good. I didn't realize most of the food that was in there was bad. So I had to clean it out. And I realized how little I actually had. I thought it looked good. I have all I need. No, you don't. That's from 2021. You know what God says? I'm going to provide so much for you that you're going to be living off of all of my provision all the way until the cycle ends and the new is here. And, and it's, you're going to have to make a decision. Do I hold on to the old or do I make room for the new? And he's saying, to me, this sounds like a bad financial plan. Why would I throw it away? I can still eat this, right? I've been living off of it. It's still good. He's saying you have to have the kind of faith to let things go if you're going to receive what I got coming for you. Do you see it? You don't see it. Until you're ready to let that go, you won't be able to make room for the new. So here's the deal. Make room. Let some things go. Time to make room, anticipating that God is bringing the new. 
you're still going to be eating the old supply to clear out all of the, and clear out all of the old because of the new. He's saying, you're still stuck in the old. You're still eating the old. When I got something new, it's time to let go of the old because the new is coming. And you and me this year have to make decisions. When we see God's provision and everything that he's doing for us, the, that moment, I'm letting go of the old. I'm moving forward into what God has for me next. I have to make room for the new things that God is doing in my life. And it's in those moments that we will see God continue to bless us because we're trusting him. We're putting things away and trusting him for the new. Don't be afraid of the new in 2024. Don't be afraid of it because it's coming. It's coming, and your responsibility is to throw out the old. What are you holding on to that you need to throw away? What relationship, what, what something do you have that you just like, I got to put this away? He says, moreover, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you. In this scripture, there are promises that God has made, and this is the greatest one. Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you. I'm going to be with you. Forget all the financial stuff. Forget all the produce and the wheat and the work. I'm with you. Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you and my soul will not reject you. There are things that are given to us in the scripture. The first is that we will have a fruitful harvest. The second is that we'll have security and peace. The third is that we'll have victory in our battle. The fourth is that we're going to experience numerical growth and multiplication. The fifth is we're going to experience increased enjoyment of God's presence and fellowship. That's what we can have. That is a totality of things that God wants us to have. And maybe you find yourself in that same place. These are all of the things that I would want to see happen in 2024. I want to see a fruitful harvest. I want to experience security and peace. I want to have victories in the battles that I face. I want to experience numerical growth. And above all of those things, because none of those things matter, if I don't have intimacy and enjoyment in my God, make that a go in 2024. Increased intimacy and enjoyment with your God. And after all of this, I will make my, my dwelling among you. Blessings here are both material and spiritual. Funny thing here, this chapter, and I'll end right here. This is an iffy book in the Bible. Iffy. Iffy. You ever said, ah, that's iffy? Eh, I'm iffy on that. What I mean by that is, in this chapter and in chapter 27, it's the most ifs you'll find in the Bible brought together. Specifically, in chapter 26, there are nine ifs mentioned. If you do this, if you do that, if you do that, God's saying, here is a, here's a way for you to see results. If you do this. Here's the funny thing. I would assume that there would be an equal result to every if. And when I talk to my kids, I say, if you clean, I'm gonna do this for you. If you pick that up, I'll do that. One for one ratio. 
but it's uneven. Because in this chapter, there are nine ifs. But then there are 24 I wills. Nine ifs, 24 I wills. You know what I love about that? You know what it teaches me? Why don't you stand up with me right now? You know what it teaches me and what I hope it teaches you? This is what I believe God is trying to tell us through this, pack, through this passage. There's a lot that you have to do. But there's more that I'm going to do for you. And my ability, my blessing, what I do for you is completely, what's this word I want to use here? Do you know it? I don't know it either. I'm asking. What? It's disproportionate. God's blessing and our obedience, thankfully, is always disproportionate. Meaning if I fail today, I don't have to give up. Because 24 times he said, I will. And nine times he said, if. God's blessing will always be greater. God's grace is always greater. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. We can never outwork God. We can never outgive God. All the things that he asks from us, he will double it and triple it in return. And that's the promise that we have. Nine ifs, 24 I wills. I'm thankful that we serve a God like that. I'm thankful that we serve a God who says, I will always outgive you. I'm thankful for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and listening to this message. We trust that God will use this to speak to you and meet you where you are. Thank you so much for supporting this church through listening to us on Spotify. You can continue to stay connected with us to be in the know about what's happening here at The Anchor by following us on Facebook and Instagram at YourAnchorHTX. If you'd like to begin partnering with us financially, we invite you to visit our site at YourAnchor.org give. It's because of you and your generosity that we can reach the lost and deliver the hope of Jesus to people around the world. So we thank you. Anchor family, we love you. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.